Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Stephen Eller, a lieutenant with 10 years of experience with Fountain Inn Fire and Rescue in South Carolina and also an engineer with the Belton Fire Department in South Carolina, where he's been there for 13 years. Stephen has a passion, and I mean a passion, for anything rescue-related, from ropes to rigging to chainsaws. With that, I present Mr. Stephen Eller. I'm Stephen Eller. I... Um work for the city of Fountain Inn as a lieutenant, and I uh, am part-time with the city of Belton in uh, Anderson, South Carolina, as an engineer. I've been in the fire service for uh, a little over 13 years. I started right out of high school. I went through a high school program to get the uh, the classes and everything I needed for to be a fireman, and uh, while I was in that program, the instructor, I knew him my, my, uh, as I was growing up, I knew him. His name was Luke Riddle. And uh, he got me interested in joining uh, the city of Belton as a volunteer. And uh, from there, um, I got on as a paid fireman for the city of Fountain Inn. I've always been interested in the fire service. My dad was a career officer uh, at South Greenville, and my mother was a paramedic. So I've always wanted to do one or the other. And um, when my dad or when my dad got out of the fire service, I was kind of more leaning towards being a a paramedic. And then in high school, Luke talked me into be, not necessarily talked me into it, but he rekindled something that was there with me wanting to be a fireman. So it took off. If it hadn't been for that, I'd probably ride in a, an ambulance miserable at this point in life. But <laughs> but here we are. Okay. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, where was your dad at? Uh South Greenville. It's it kind of they we run automatic aid with him at Fountain Inn. Uh, it's in the upstate of South Carolina in Greenville County. So we all, uh, in the same County, I just live right outside of it. So I grew up around a lot of the guys, uh, recently I got to run a fire with several of the guys that I, I grew up around. So it was pretty cool, no, that's cool. To, uh, to do some stuff with. Um, but were, were you ever, were you ever able to run a call with your dad, whether it's mutual aid or on the same truck or. Um, not, not necessarily the fire department. So he did a lot of freelance photography on the side and we went to, uh, we went and took pictures and talked about it, put t- tactics at a bunch of fires and stuff like that as I was growing up. But, uh, as far as like riding the truck together, I never, I never got to do that. So, okay. All right. Um, tell us a little bit about Fountain Inn for those that don't know how many stations, approximately how many calls, um, you know, things like that. Okay, so we're a little over, I believe, 30 square miles. We have two stations. We, uh, I believe this year we may crest the 3,000 call mark. We have um, seven per shift. So at headquarters, you've got uh, on a good day, if we don't have anybody out sick or hurt or um, on vacation, you've got uh, four on the engine and two on the ladder. Three on the engine, two on the ladder. And then uh, two out at station two. And that's on a good day. You got three. We got one more on the ladder. Sorry about that. So three on the engine, three on the ladder, and two out at two. And then on a um, someone sick or on vacation or whatever, we drop two. We drop to two on the ladder and keep three on our engine. Um, we run, like I said, we had the ladder. We used to cross staff a, um, a QRV for medical responses. The ladder would, would jump trucks. Mm-hmm. But since uh, I think it's been about a year, year and a half, we've stopped doing that. Now we 
we just staff the tower and they rotate medicals between the engine. We're, um, we're BLS non-transport. So we, most of us are EMTs. I think we've got a, a handful of the new guys that uh, still need to go through EMT class. But other than that, we still got, um, let's see, we do, we got trench, some technical rescue uh, capabilities. We have a, a large trench cache of equipment. Um, so it's, it's not too bad. It's a nice little area. It's, it's quickly exploding in growth. So it's, um, every subdivision that we got two 500 home subdivisions, I believe, or at least one in my first two that's being built right now. And, um, one of the subdivisions in, in headquarters area, as soon as the houses are built, they're already bought. They've been, I think it, I think they said yesterday they were two years behind on getting built. So most of them are already bought. That's crazy. Um, with your department size, you're having to do more with less, like a lot of departments are. Um, oh, yeah. how far out is your mutual aid? Uh, I'd say seven to 10 minutes. Um, that's, to, that's decent. It could be, uh, and, and it depends on if, if they're busy as well. So we've been with Clear Springs fires responding. You have Simpsonville fire, South Greenville, Cane Break, and then uh, a portion of our area has Lawrence County. And if if they're busy and already pulled, they don't necessarily backstaff by moving another department into into their house. So um, you could be waiting excess of that seven to ten minutes, depending on where they're coming from in their own uh, their own district. Okay. Um, I was going to ask a question. I don't want to lose my train of thought. So with that being said, it, it, it could very well happen where you guys show up uh, on a working residential structure fire and you're going through two or three bottles. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So how, how important do you think physical fitness plays a role within your jurisdiction? It, it plays a, a large role in it, and uh, a lot of the guys the guys on, on C-Shift, they do really well at physical fitness, so they do a lot of turnout gear workouts. Um, several uh, several of the guys have friends who have went through the Georgia Smoke Diver Program. Okay. So we do a lot of the um, workouts like in the calisthenics that they do in turnout gear, and that we kind of build our physical fitness on C-Shift around those and then progressively make them harder every shift that we come in. Uh, but physical fitness is definitely one of the, the top things. And I, I can tell a difference from, I started out on B shift and when I moved to C shift, uh, they, they were starting to get into physical fitness. You had a bunch of CrossFitters that were working together. So I, um, I know I learned real quick, uh, what was expected of me on C shift and I could tell a difference just in my, um, I guess my breathing in a fire. Once I started working out in air packs and working out just uh, on a regular basis at work, I started to, to tell a difference uh, in the workload that I could perform at a fire. So um, especially on our fires where we where it's, which, you know, if you catch it in the headquarters area and everybody's together, you got three to five on that first in assignment. But in two's area, there's a lot of times where if you arrive and headquarters isn't right on you or one of the other departments aren't coming in, you got, the driver and the fireman's having to fight fire. So it can get very taxing on us very quick. Yeah. Yeah. And most definitely, that's, that's the, definitely an important 
role to do in your job. And it is crazy hearing that you still have departments out there, you know, <laughs> riding below three. And I'm not, you know, trying to say anything against your administration, but in this day and age, it, it's crazy to hear departments that, you know, your driver's pumping it, setting it, and he's going in with, with the fireman. You know, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the administration is trying to do a, a decent job at replacing it. Um, we, we're riding in a, um, a Pierce responder. So it's a custom cat, not a custom, it's a commercial cab, um, uh, international, um, uh, engine. Mm-hmm. It has a flip up, the officer seat flips up and you can get to a, a recessed third seat. Okay. It's, it's cramped. It's cramped for three. So two granted two on a fire isn't best, but two riding in it's okay for now. Mm-hmm. But I know uh, it's talked about by several of uh, we're attempting to hire some more in July. And I believe they're either going to I think they want to upstaff the ladder and have three on it all time. But I believe they're going to end up sending one possibly out to, to our station. So we'll have three on all the trucks. And then I know we're going to have to build a station three in the next few years. So, OK, with growth and everything. OK. Oh, yeah. Um. So what is a typical box alarm in your first do get you guys? So the, the there's a SOG on on SOP on it. We typically have our our two engines in our ladder, and then depending on and our chief he comes, and then depending on it being a uh, commercial or residential, uh, it kind of di- di- differentiates uh, between what we get from our automatic aid. So we could get uh, an additional chief from them, uh, whether it be the um, Chief of Clear Springs or Chief uh, one of the battalions from Simpsonville, uh, you're getting uh, additional engine and a ladder on residential, and I believe you're getting a. I want to say you can get two engines and a ladder on a commercial, and if if you need different, you have to uh, differentiate or express that to dispatch. Gotcha. So, okay. Okay. Um, what would you say the culture is like within your department regarding pride training and camaraderie? Uh, for the longest time, I'd say that we were, we were, uh, three apartments in, in one with mm-hmm. a, B and C shift, but mm-hmm. it's taken a, a turn in the last little while and it's actually gotten a lot better. Um, I'd say that the, there's a really good culture right now of guys pushing each other to, to be better, whether it be with their physical fitness, whether it be with, you know, mental health or it be with, uh, training in, inside the firehouse. Um, it's, it's definitely got the family feel. Um, I could call up one of the guys today and need some, some help out in the shop at the house and, and they'd come. Um, so I definitely say that the culture's very good. Um, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the age of the department right now. We're, we're kind of like a young department. Okay. Um, so I think the oldest, the oldest member, maybe 55, maybe we just hired a a new training officer. And I think he, I think he's now the oldest that we have, but, um, pride prides there. There's company pride. We've got company logos, company t-shirts. Um, I mean the the job shirts and stuff. Most of the guys, if they if it's approved by the chief, they're they're good hats. Uh, so that kind of that stuff's there. It's it's really nice to have uh, an organization that you know they they support you in that way and understand and it will will go to bat for you if someone like the city council. We have a council member that actually comes and rides on the truck and hangs out with us to to okay. see what it is that we do. So okay. 
that that's a, a big thing for me. I, I like that aspect because when you need something, you have um, that individual who can actually do the bat for you because his dad was a, was a career fireman. So he knows a little bit about what we, um, or a lot about what we need. And I like the fact that he's willing to, to come out and learn and see what it is we do. No, that's, that's awesome. That way, you know, it also shows if you, if you request something and one of those council members rides, they're like, yeah, like, okay, we could definitely see the need why they need that. So that it definitely helps that way they can actually see instead of just hearing, they can actually see what you guys do. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he typically will ride, like he'll come up and he'll ride for uh, eight hours or so. And, um, I think the first time he rode, he, I was driving the the tower. He was, uh, on, on our shift and we got sent out for a a breathing problem call. And, uh, when, well, we got sent out for an alarm first. And as we was going to alarm, it got canceled and a breathing problem hit. So we had to divert and go to it. And, uh, when we pulled up, it was at one of the, the nurse facilities and, uh, he came he came with us and it quickly went from, from breathing problem to cardiac arrest. So he got to see the, the wide gamut of, of what we do and how fast things change. And mm-hmm. so it was, I think it was a little eye opening and the experience for him, but he seemed to take it very well. No, no, that's, that's, I mean, and that's what you want. You want to actually get those calls so they can see we're not just asking because we're, we're, we're just wanting to ask. We're asking because there's a reason to. Yeah, there's a need for it. So that's that's awesome. Uh, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and loving this job? So uh, when I when I started as a as a volunteer, there was a, a, a group of guys that I, I looked up to. Um, they were the guys that kind of taught my, my first basic classes. They um, so they kind of ingrained um, at that time. They were heroes to me because I got to see I, I, when I started, I had no classes at all. They had. They had all their officer classes. Most of them were officers. You had guys that were lieutenants and engineers. And um, so they, they were mentors. Uh, and I wanted to I wanted to be like them. So mm-hmm. it kind of pushed pushed me. And the, the culture of the department I started at was uh, it was very training oriented, very passionate, uh, very. Uh, these are your classes you have to have. Uh, you need to know how to do like uh we did rescue drills a good bit rent drills we we were constantly training so that kind of stuff it it built a a drive for me to always want to train and always want to be better than i was yesterday right and then it it kind of instilled that all right these guys took the time to to make me better so i need to take the time to make those below me better as mm-hmm. they start so that right there pushes me is the fact that I, I've got the mentors that, you know, you got mentors that have done good things and mentors that have done bad things and you can kind of put them together and learn from both. Right. So I, I use, I use those guys uh, as my, my drive to, to constantly push myself and, and try to bring, bring people up with me or, or um, yeah, definitely going to try to my best to bring people up with it as we go. So um it's what drives drives a lot of what I do is is just the, the passion that was instilled from from guys in the past and making sure you do them do their do right by them if that makes sense yeah yeah no no I get it I get it I get it um, yeah. where did your passion for rescue come from because like it seems like you love ropes 
mechanical advantages, all the stuff that I personally don't like, but I always give respect to the rest of you guys because you need guys like that. So it's always uh, been there a little bit. I, I kind of dabbled when I, when I started at Belton, they were, it was laid out the classes you had to have to be an engineer. And some of my good friends were engineers. So I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. I'm going to take all these classes. Well, I hit all the check boxes for your, your basic classes through like the state fire Academy. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're good classes. They're good classes to build off of. And uh, I was like, Oh man, you know, repelling's fun, but we really don't have much to repel off of. Uh, low angles fun or high angles fun or, or trench is fun. And it wasn't until, um, couple years ago i took a trench technician class bought, taught by uh a gentleman by the name of todd milam he's a, a battalion chief excuse me he's a battalion chief for a parker fire department in greenville okay. and um it was a bunch of guys from simpsonville and uh south greenville were in it and then me and a couple guys from fountain Inn and some guys from clear springs and um I've taken the the state's trench class but to take a trench class that expands and goes a little bit more in depth than that it really uh opened some uh opened my eyes and it, i enjoyed it a lot more and then i took a i took a ropes class with a buddy named jason john Nitas. we went down to charleston and a uh, a gentleman by the name of don belt he runs a company called safe rigging solutions and okay. he's a he's the engineer on uh city of charleston's rescue truck and he taught uh sprat my sprat level one class and that right there triggered, I don't know what, but ropes is now my, like, I thoroughly enjoy ropes. I enjoyed, I was teaching saws or I teach saws like fire saws with Julio Ramos from uh fireground special yeah. operations out of Florida. Yeah. So uh, I've been like, my shop's full of all kinds of saws and, and everything else, but now I'm kind of like falling off into a, another rabbit hole, but uh, rope seems to be it. I'm pretty sure my girlfriend thinks I've, you know, sold part of my soul to, to start buying rope stuff, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really enjoying it. It's, um, it's different than your, your typical just going out and pulling hoses or, Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, so I really enjoy, um, the technical rescue aspect of it. Cause I think a lot of us, uh, just out of habit, you know, we don't run those calls a lot. They're not mm-hmm. that bad at, you know, if we have it, I'll know how to build a three to one or I'll know how to how to go repel to get them. But very rarely uh, do, do we realize that these are high risk, um, high risk, low. Um, we don't run them a lot, but there's a high risk to those for us, for the people we have to go get. Yeah. Uh, very, so I, I enjoy the, uh, the training on an aspect and it's been it's been quite uh, an adventure so far with it. Yeah, no, and like I said, we, we need individuals like you that that love that, love rope, love rigging, three to one, four to one, uh, uh, repelling. I mean, I like I said, the all the knots you have to know. Like I know most of my basic knots, but like my engineer at work, he cuts trees for um, you know, as, you know, society actually climbs the trees and like does all this rope, you know, mechanical stuff, and I'm just like. It's a lot, but that's not my passion, but I definitely give guys credit that I do it because, I mean, you guys are the ones that are going up way high, climbing cell phone towers, getting people out. Like, that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah. It, it's fun. I'm looking forward. I'm uh, working on getting into a, a tower class now for the cell phone just to, to kind of mm-hmm. get some experience and some some time on a tower. But it's it's definitely exciting, the the difference, the different levels of, of rope stuff and 
Um, I'm on the state USAR team out of uh, Columbia, okay. and we'll be we'll be in a uh, rope technician class all week next week, taught by uh, Texas A&M. So okay. it'll be it'll be pretty exciting. It's rumored that we could be up in uh, up in the uh, where is it Williams Bryce Stadium or down at Rock Quarry. I'm not sure where we're at yet. So okay, we'll find out Monday, I guess. No, See how awesome. that goes. Awesome, awesome. Um, how long were you a backstep before you promoted? So, uh, I started in 2013, and within six months, I was having to drive because of the size of our department. Right. Uh, however, it kind of worked out. Um, it kind of worked out. We we used to our district was a little bit larger. We were contracted for some of Lawrence County. Uh, we caught a lot of fire for uh, for several years. So even though I was being pushed to drive, I wasn't an engineer. So if I was relief driving or if I drove a, um, if I were to come from station two's area or what it was station three's area, if uh, the first in engineer was already there and had a water supply, then I could just, I could go fight fire. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I looked up to work with guys uh, that enjoy driving more than me at the time. So they would willingly be like, yeah, you're good. You just, you just ride. I'll drive. I'm like, all right. So, um, for the longest time I got to do that. And then I want to say 2016 or 17, maybe it might be a little later. I don't remember when I promoted, I don't remember when I promoted to engineer. Um, I stayed engineer for, for a while. Uh, I kind of, uh, would talk people into let me stay on the tower because I enjoyed I enjoy the truck stuff more than I do the engine. Mm-hmm. So um, at headquarters, we work forty eight hour shifts. We do the forty eight okay. ninety six. Okay. So um, some shifts they would let they would let your guys ride one truck for forty eight hours. Some shifts breaks it up to every month you you rotate whether you will be on the engine or the truck. And then uh, our shift, it was every day you swap. So if I was on the engine one day, I'd be on the truck the next. Uh, I would talk to the, whoever was driving the engine be like, hey, I'm good. I'm good on the ladder. Uh, I'll stay right here. He's like, oh, that's, that's fine. Uh, but at that time, we was also running the, um, the QRV. So it was the QRV was straight medical. So they were doing the rotation to keep those guys from getting hammered because we was, it was running 20, 22 calls a day of the 48 hours. Wow. Okay. Uh, we run We've we've run a lot of medical. Okay. But you know, we got two nursing homes, so it keeps us busy. Yeah, yeah. If you if your first dude has a nursing home or several nursing homes, yeah, I, I definitely feel for you because um yeah, you're gonna be running a lot, a lot of calls out there. Um so what like what triggered the you know what I'm ready to go for this lieutenant spot? So um I honestly had no intentions on wanting to promote um, my captain and several other people talked me into putting in for it. We had a, a spot come available and uh, the chief came out and was like, Hey, the spot's available. I'll send an email out about when, uh, when testing will start. I need to know who's interested. So those who were uh, qualified uh, with time or however it was submitted their emails and they've got uh, dates sent out of when the, the testing process was going to be. Mm-hmm. and um up until like i was i was dead set if i got it i was gonna turn it down um i didn't want to uh want to want to promote i'm happy driving i don't want to i don't want to be a lieutenant uh and my captain's like listen 
uh, spots on our shift because they, they moved our lieutenant to another shift and spots on our shift. If uh, myself or the other engineer didn't get the position, one of us was going to have to move, uh, move stations or move shifts altogether. And uh, I was like, okay, maybe I want to promote now. I want to stay with the boys. So um, I was like, because our shift and I'm, I'm sure all the other shifts are the same way, like you're, you're a family. Right. So like um, I went to high school with, with several other guys and we've always, we've always been together. There's a good respect amongst us. And um, so it, it went down and I, I went through the process and during the interview, they asked me the same thing. Like what, what makes you want to promote? And I, I told him, I said, I don't, if you offered it to me today, I'm still not hundred percent if I'm going to take it. Like I, I don't want to be a Lieutenant as in not, not necessarily saying, I don't think I can do the job, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not here today to take the spot. If you say I got it, then, you know, I'll, I'll consider it, but I'm here today to try to stay with, with, with the boys. And, um, apparently they, they like my answers to all the other questions and how I did the, the testing. So here we are. Huh. Awesome. Yeah. It ain't been too bad. Okay. Um, I know a lot of departments, when you promote, you, you have to move shifts, uh, because it's, it's hard for, for buddies to see you as a boss or friends to see you as a boss, however. Um, but, and I was a little worried about it. Um, I was a little hesitant. Uh, so when our captain is off, I rotate from our station two back to headquarters and I have to run the shift. So, um, I was kind of nervous, uh, our first shift because like I said, I've known these guys, I was engineers with them. I cut up with them. Uh, they know how goofy I can get from time, but, um, the gentleman who's now the senior at headquarters, well, I say he's the senior fireman. He's, he's left a couple times and he comes back and, uh, he just came off probation. This is his third time on probation since he's left several. He wanted to be a cop and he wanted to go work somewhere else, but home's home and he always finds his way back. Right. But, um, I see him as a senior. Uh, definitely the senior fireman for our shift. He's a solid, solid fireman. Great, great with tactics and everything else. And when I got to headquarters, I, I told him a little bit about my hesitation. He's like, listen, um, you ain't got nothing to worry about. We ain't gonna do anything to, to get you in trouble that you'd have to do paper on. He said, uh, we, we've already talked about it. You're good. Like you, it's, it's not going to be an issue. I'm like, all right. And it hasn't been an issue yet, and I, I feel very relieved by that. I think um, I think our shift or our guys are definitely um, very respectable uh, in that sense. They're not going to do something to put you in a in a bind. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it kind of worked out so far. Okay. So this is something I, I started implementing anytime I uh, interview a either a chief officer or, you know, an officer that's still on, on the trucks. Um, so my first question, do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to be successful? Absolutely. Communication up and down. Um, I think a lot of times stuff can get can get lost in communication, whether it be uh, from from officers from shift to shift, not not very not communicating very well. Um, but I definitely believe there should be, and I don't have to know everything. Like I know there's things uh, a captain and above knows that I I don't need to know, and I'm I'm very happy with that. And I know there's things the chief has to worry about, whether it be planning for city growth or the how the department's going to grow. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to worry myself about that at all. 
But I definitely believe that communication up and down the chain of command is a very imperative to um, to not only the culture of the department, but morale, um, morale for the shift, uh, unit cohesion amongst themselves. So, yeah, communication is a big one. Okay. And uh, the last one uh, for the officer type question, do you believe in order to affect change within your department, you need to promote? No, uh, informal leadership is the best form of leadership there is. Uh, if you're, if you, if you can't lead from a lower level, then you're not going to be able to lead as an officer. Facts. Uh, it does. It doesn't come to you overnight. Uh, it doesn't come to you with, with a, a gold bugle on your, on your collar. It doesn't come with a colored helmet. If you can't lead as a fireman or as an engineer, then you're never going to, you're not going to be able to successfully lead as, as an officer. It's like the guys who aren't, and this is this isn't a jab at nobody, but it's like the guys who aren't really good firemen that kind of just because of the way the department is uh, or someone's department is or. Um, and what I mean is like if it's a smaller department and you have to promote because of openings and they weren't a really good fireman mm-hmm. and then they get to drive and they're not a really good driver. When they get to be uh, a lieutenant or higher, they're, they're not really good at it because they, they didn't know the jobs below them. Right. And they didn't have time. Maybe it was they didn't have time to, to mature in that level or they just didn't have time to, to to learn that job. But if they're not good at the lower levels and if you're not good at leading before you become an officer, you're not going to do it well as an officer. OK, well said. I have no rebuttal there. That's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Fantastic. <laughs> um In your opinion, oh, actually, no, I missed that one. Uh, what are your ultimate goals? Uh, my ultimate goal is, and I've always said this since I started, was to leave it better than I found it. Um, whether it be if I were to leave C shift or if I were to leave Fountain Inn to go somewhere else. Not that I'm saying if anyone hears this from Fountain right. Inn, I have no intentions <laughs> on going anywhere. Right. right. But, but uh, it's always to leave it better than I found. It. Leave the shift better than I found it when I get off. Leave the station, the truck. Leave if if you know I'm fortunate. If I'm fortunate enough to retire. I want to leave the fire service better than I found it, whether it be, you know, passing on. And I think, um, I think, uh, the guys that I started under have done a really good job of passing stuff on. And I've always said that, you know, you really need to, to learn your job and be able to teach your job. So I want to be able to, to leave the job better than I found it and hopefully leave some type of impact on the fire service. So when I do retire, I can say that I left, uh, left it better than it was when I got there. Okay. All right. Uh, in your opinion, what are key elements or factors needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? Oh, boy. Uh, you gotta, you gotta have integrity. Um, you gotta be able to do, do what you say, or uh, do what you're told, uh, do what you say you're going to do, be there for your fellow firemen, whether it be, you know, on that fire or at the station, or uh, you know, after that bad call, be there, be there for uh, for your guys, or or even just your your partner. Um, you've got to uh, be a team player. Uh, you can't throw each other under the bus. If you have an issue, you gotta you gotta be able to have those difficult conversations with somebody, and just straight up, there's there's things that can be resolved without having to go to an officer or to uh, uh, a chief officer. However, it goes you can easily resolve problems just by talking. And I think to be a good fireman, you've got to be able to do those. Um, 
my captain, uh, my captain likes movie quotes, and he always told me that uh, with a good quote out of Remember the Titans, that attitude reflects leadership. So you've got to have a good attitude to be a, a good fireman. Um, come to work, to be at work, and not to uh, run away from problems at home or take a break from you know you have a landscaping job and you you work your <laughs> you tail off all uh, off ninety six hours you're off. So come to work for a break. Yeah, that ain't you're not gonna be a good fireman doing that. Um, I think you, there's a lot of qualities that go into it. Um, but being, being the team player, having integrity, doing, um, doing what's asked of you. And, um, there's just some of the top ones in, in my, my opinion. Okay. No, I, well said, no issues there. Um, what would you say to a hungry, eager, motivated firefighter who feels like he's being surrounded or held back by a non-motivated or complacent culture? So Rome wasn't built in a day. Culture doesn't change in a day. If, you know, if you're, you're well-rounded and you're, you're going out and you have a drive and keep that drive, uh, try to affect some sort of change where you are. Um, kind of like, in I believe it's, was it the field of angels? If you build it, they will come. If you start doing, uh, if you start doing simple drills by yourself, and I know it sucks doing stuff by yourself, I, I've done it a lot. But if mm-hmm. you start pulling lines by yourself or doing mask up drills by yourself, you got door prop, you go out there and start forcing, um, throwing ladders, whatever. Yeah, there's gonna be some guys that come out there and throw jabs that, oh, this is dumb. I'm gonna go sit the recliner, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at some point, at some point, they're gonna they're gonna see that hey, he's actually you know he's gotten better at these fires by doing X, Y, and Z. So let's go out there with him. And that little bit will eventually start to build up and change and turn the entire culture. Um, I think, you know, you got you to gotta stick to it. And at some point, if you have to, whether that culture is on, on an individual shift and maybe changing a shift will be better. Or if, and I hate to do it, but it's sometimes it's an apartment. If you have to just, you know, look for what's, look for the culture where the culture that you want, look for it. Um, I know, you know, Facebook's a great place to, to network. So it's easy to find people who work different places right? and kind of figure out what they actually have going on at their, their department. And if that's what you're looking for, I have no hard feelings if you want to leave and go somewhere that's going to be what you want, but make mm-hmm. sure it's what you want and not just uh, proceed through the internet. Right, right. Because I mean, everything looks good on the internet until you've, you know, the, the grass ain't always greener, as they say. It ain't. Yeah, it ain't always greener. So I, I I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, in your opinion, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? So uh, there's several things. Uh, I was thinking about this question uh, the other yesterday. I was talking to to my driver, and uh, I was trying to because I got several. Like I said, I think um, you and CJ talked about them. I was listening to your podcast the other day, and uh, one of them I agree with with him. Uh, wholeheartedly is the uh the generational gaps that we have mm-hmm. uh i think a lot of the firemen who are now senior or maybe in a senior role or in the ability to have a senior role that are around my age see newer guys who have no i'm not gonna say life skills but they don't know how to run chainsaws or they don't know how to they don't have the drive that we had uh when we came in and they ha- they may have to be told what to do as in, hey, uh, you know, go check the truck, or hey, why aren't you out in the bay doing stuff? Uh, if it's their probationary period, that, that's a different thing. But um, 
there's definitely some some gaps there. Uh, I think there needs to be a little bit more. Um, I think the guys my my age need to kind of step disconnect and step back from it and take a take a wide look, uh, reflect on themselves, and kind of figure out those learning skills that those uh, those newer individuals need and kind of mentor them a little better. Uh, the other one I would is was probably like taking precedence of the generational gaps is uh, taking care of each other. Right. Uh, you see a lot of times just in Facebook posts, uh, there's a, a buddy check-in, uh, share this. My door is always open. I got coffee if you ever need to talk. Right. But very rarely, but very rarely <clears throat> do, do you see people actually, Hey man, you good? Uh, you know, we ran that bad call. What's, what's bothering you? Mm -hmm. You can share it all day long on Facebook, but that's not keeping us alive. There, there's more and more first responders that are, that are dying every year from, from suicide. And I think that that one right now is one of the big ticket ones in my book. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe the way we as, as men are raised or things that, that we learn that we can't be emotional and, and it makes us feel vulnerable or whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's the issue or if it's, you know, the tough guy mentality of I'm a fireman. I, I see this. Uh, it's not going to bother me. I'm not going to let it bother me. But at some point, it's there's going to be something um, that's going to, whether it be a smell or a sound or a sight, that's going to just start triggering a waterfall effect of everything that you you've experienced. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's it's the guys that are like, all right, I've got a family. If I go to to an officer or a friend, and I say, hey man, I, this is bothering me. I'm having the, these bad thoughts of wanting to hurt myself or whatever. You know what what happens from there? Maybe it's the unknown of. Am I going to have to be at home like days off where I have to think about this, where I'm alone? I love the fire service. If I'm not in the fire service, what, what's going to happen? So I don't know if it's uh, not knowing the process or how to or not wanting to open up to to another guy about it. But I definitely think that we as firemen have to step up in that role and kind of figure out how to to make it easier for our our fellow firemen to, to come to us and be like, Hey, I got something bothering me or maybe making the culture war or making the culture aware it's acceptable to, to sit down at the table and say, Hey, we just ran this really bad call and this is really bothering me. Let's just, let's just all talk about, you know, a little bit about it. So it don't go home with it. Um, I've lost, I lost one of, one of the guys that I was friends with from, from lower part of the state recently. And there's been a couple of other ones I know that that's passed away from it. So I definitely think that that needs uh, a lot more change um, for the fire service as a whole, but I don't know what it's going to take to get there. Yeah. No, well said. And you're right. I, I don't know. And like you said, I don't know if it's, it's the way we're wired, but like, you know, I would say if, if a fireman comes to another fireman or down at the dinner table, and says, Hey, like I'm, I'm feeling super vulnerable about this call. You have some of those, and I'm just going to say, you have some of those assholes that are going to look at you like, Oh, you're weak. You had a problem yep. with that call. Like there should be no judgment because we are, we as humans are not wired to see what we see when we're exactly. on shift. Like we see some of the worst situations for people who are calling us for help and we have to maintain a level of professionalism we can't get excited. It definitely looks bad if you get excited or if you or if you freak out because then you're going to make the patient freak out. So yeah, what we see, we should be able to express to each other or find 
have somebody you can go to to talk to to go hey like this this call really messed me up without any judgment and without the fear of you telling them in confidence and the next thing you know t- telephone tell a friend tell a fireman yep. and it's all over the department and now you know like this person is never going to want to share anything again yep and i mean you don't have i'm not going to say you run you know you run every call and you have to come back and do a hot wash over it. Right. At the kitchen table. Right. But it, it should be acceptable that we run a really bad call or something that if it bothers anyone, they should be able to sit there and be like, Hey man, can we sit down and talk about this? It, it, it's bothered. This X, Y, and Z has bothered me. And I just, you know, I kind of want some insight on it or somebody calls me a day and be like, Hey man, I've been, something happened and I'm thinking about all this Would you know, you come over and we can talk about something. I'll go wherever. Somebody can call me another state and I'm packing up and I'm out. Uh, and I think that's what the fire service needs more of is if I'm, if I'm feeling bad and I call Julio in Florida, I'm like, Hey man, we just ran this really bad call. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm some type of way right now about it. Um, I'm feeling really, I don't know, emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's either going to tell me to come down there or in eight hours, he's going to be here. Um, and I think that's what the fire service needs more of a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and uh, hopefully us talking about it more. I know um, John Sparrow talked about that. Him and Blake didn't have a new podcast that they're doing, like regarding kind of like faith, family, and fire. But they're I'm sure they're going to definitely hit that the, that that part of it's okay to say you're not okay, and it's okay for firemen to like share like, hey, like this call, Jack, because I can tell you with me. Um, we have a daughter now who's four years old, man. So anything I run with the kid, I look at that kid as my daughter and it Absolutely. has totally changed my outlook on things. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely one thing. Hopefully the, the macho br- br- bravado can, can go away on that. Um, but this is more like a, a light question or a soft toss, if you will. Um, if you had to choose for the rest of your career, engine, truck, or a true dedicated rescue to ride. Hmm. See, you had me when you said the truck, but then when you said the rescue, I'm going. Uh. I'm talking about rescue. That's tandem axle. It goes to every pin and entrapment, working fire, high angle, low angle, all that. Yeah, but I'll take a rescue. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the rescue. Sold. Okay. All right. Um. No, this was this was great, man. I I appreciate you appreciate you taking your time to to talk fire stuff with me, man. Um, I definitely appreciate it. It was it was good. Man, I appreciate getting to meet you. I, uh, I, like I said, I started listening after you sent me that email. I started listening to some of your podcasts. They're, they're pretty good. Thank you, thank you. They're, um, they're real I'm, good. Yeah, I'm, every day, every interview, I'm trying to, you know, make it better, figure out what I can ask. I, but I go off of how the the interviewer is, you know, either answering their questions or if they say like a, something keyed, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go in on this because they seem to have a a, a true passion for it. Um, so before we uh, leave, is there anything, any message you want to give out there to anybody out there struggling, whether it's mental or like my, my department sucks, these guys I work with are not into it. Like what message would you give out to them? Man, I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to not be okay. Have, have a good group of friends and whether it be outside of the fire, outside of your station or outside of your, your shift or department that you can, you can rely on. Um, whether even if it's inside your department, just have that good, that good, good group of, of friends that you can rely on. Um, it's okay to be ate up, just don't let uh, 
don't get too focused on the job that you forget about everything else around you and you, you, you miss out on life. Yeah, no, that's, that's, it's, and, it's and, very and, easy to do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, cause the fire service could be, could be, uh, an individual's mistress cause it's, it's alluring. <laughs> it's great, but man, you know, you could lose sight of like your family is a real big picture of things that matter. So that was well said for sure. Thank um, you. just, just hang out afterwards and we, we'll uh, wrap up privately. Okay. All right, man. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.